That's right. We're doing this entire show colorblind. That, that means, mean, homie. What does that mean? Well, that means that we're going to delve into some of these new thought we're processes. Gonna, we're going to excuse all kinds of little bits of racism because we don't see color. Well, listen. Hey, first let me start the stream, and then we'll start the fun. Are you ready? You want to hear Here. it? Here it goes. Create a new event, and we're going to call it Colorblind. This ice cube record. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. This conversation should be fun and fun and problematic. Here we go. Welcome to the damn, we've taken a couple of weeks off. I can't remember what the episode number is. Rob, do you have a guess? 36? Uh, it would just be a guess, homie. Mm. <laughs> I haven't been here in I haven't been here in two weeks. Or yeah, maybe we, we haven't been here in two we weeks. Have, we we in the high thirties. Yeah. We in the I mean, upper thirties. I know that. Well, whatever, say, whatever, wherever we at, you know we high. Well, that's not right. you, but the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna run with 36. Welcome to the 36th episode of Born in Trouble. I'm your host, John X. I hope y'all didn't miss me too much. But as usual, our hiatus was a unscheduled hiatus. We took one week off and then said, "Damn it! Well, might as well take two." Fellas, from the great state, from the great state of Michigan, home of the since hiatus national champions, Michigan Wolverines, Mr. Grant Lancaster, the city winking. What up, though? What up, though? And of course, from sitting in once again, from I think the somewhere in New England. <laughs> well, I was I was born in New York. And I lived in New England. Now I'm down here in the South. From down south, representing <laughs> the dirty, dirty Mr. Andrew Johnson. What's up, y'all? What's up, you? brothers? job took me. <laughs> Look at what Ooh. I got here. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Andrew Where are all the white women at? We know there's somebody uh, on the call who knows the answer to that. <laughs> uh, somebody's somebody's ready to play, I see. And without ado, the man introduces himself, the one, the only, Mr. Brooks with the good looks. What it is. Johnny Mr. X. Robert Brooks. Gentlemen. What's up, fun. Campy? Let's have some fun. <laughs> What's going on, John? Yeah. It's been, it's been a lonely on. couple of weeks, man. Missed y'all. Yeah, I missed y'all too, man. Which is which is why I had this, came up with this idea for the show. We didn't, so people at home don't think that we're actually like organized or anything. We didn't actually plan the two weeks off. It's just like the first show didn't come together right away and we didn't do that. And then the next week I just basically said, fuck it, I don't feel like it this week so that's what happened 
And the sad part is that I actually had advertised the show the first week on Wisdom, telling people to tune in at 9.30 on Thursday and listen to the show. And we took the time off. And I'm blaming Rob. <laughs> what you got to do, homie? Yeah. You had, sent you, out some leaders that, you had sent out some leaders that week, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had some good leaders, and we're still going to uh, talk about them today. Because today... In the spirit of that young man, who I've decided not to uh, say his name, but there have been a lot of people that have stood in this young man's footsteps before and made good, good coin off of reverse race hustling. That's right, reverse race hustling. So in the spirit of Herman Cain, Larry Elder... (laughs) (laughs) And Dr. Ben Carson, we're going to attempt to see people our brother's way, our other brother's way today. And we're going to present a colorblind show. That's right, y'all, a colorblind show. Tonight, I want you brothers to drop your Afro sheens and pick up your just... um, I don't know, dull American identities. Nothing is off limits because race does not exist. How do you feel about that, fellas? Can we do this tonight? Yeah, race, race, race is a social construct, right? It's, it's abstract at best. Okay. So, yeah, we could be colorblind. I'm glad because everyone here tonight, I just want to, I don't want people to see your color, just your essence. Your culture, (laughs) your chi. Expect many topics to be culturally (laughs) appropriated for the show because tonight we are just one culture. We are one people. We are not seeing race whatsoever. So, damn it, if you're offended, it's your own racism that's causing it. I was already in because I, you know, I I bathed myself in Creed earlier today. So, oh, oh, Christian Rock. No, no, not Christian Rock Creed. The French <laughs> perfumer Creed. Oh, 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 okay. I'm sorry. I have to take that back. You see, automatically, I'm already in character. I'm already feeling it. I'm feeling the Christian Rock. Andrew, you like Christian Rock, don't you? Uh, What's well, your favorite son, Creed song? I, I don't have one other than the fact that my son listens to some of it, and I don't even know the names of the artists or nothing. I just, if it's a halfway decent song. Creed has like two big hits, don't they? Like, Do they? I feel like if they, if you, if we heard them, if we heard a Creed yes. song, I, I yeah. might know it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. They got, a, they got a couple songs. I'm trying to, I'm yeah. trying to think of the name. Is of it, one. are they that arms wide open thing? Is that the, they, yeah, the with arms, same? yeah, with arms wide open. Yeah. yeah okay. I heard that. I heard of that. Uh huh. Come on, guys. Do the move. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't That's know that anybody can do that move that you're doing, sir. Bro. Well, <laughs> clearly, clearly he's got he's got some uh he's definitely got that Caucasian feeling right now. Yeah, sorry, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, no, there's no race today. Uh, Rob, race. what are you talking yeah. Rob? Rob, you're bringing in race. You know. Sorry. Yeah. Caucasian, you know. What was that guy's name, Rob, that I called you? I was like watching him. And then I realized I realized something about him. You know, what's that guy's name? I can't say his name. The one from the Bill Maher show that day. Oh, I don't know his name. I don't what's, like that dude was a clown. Yeah, was yeah. he was his last oh. name Coleman? 
What's his yes, last name? Yes, yes. Like Coleman. Coleman Hughes. That's it. Coleman. So, yeah, right, maybe so that was his name. first name. Damn. I'm going to have to strike that. I'm going to have to go back and knock that name out. Because I don't want to say Hughes. it. Because he's in the spirit of Herman Cain, Larry Elder, and Bet Dr. Ben Carson. All like, okay. you know, deceased black conservatives yeah. who have who led the way and everything. And this guy at 27 years old decided to write a book about the black experience and why CRT and um, what was it? Diversity? What was he Diversity saying? And inclusion. He, he said DEI. DEI. Um, how it spawned in the 70s and 80s was, you know, were brought up from those people from the 70s and the 80s was completely wrong and causing him aggression. And then I looked him up, and this motherfucker was born in, like, 1997. <laughs> it's about right. Yeah, like, what's, yeah, when, when is the, when is, because we're in the age of entitlement, right? When When did that, when did that start? I literally had the conversation with my daughter on the way home today. I went and had dinner with my daughter today, and she was in her whole, oh, you know, but I'm too awkward for that. And I said, there's a lot that my generation may not have gotten right, but the one thing we did is that nobody gave a fuck about your feelings. So if you were told, go stand up and speak in front of this room, you went and spoke in front of the room. And sometimes you learn something about yourself. There's something you thought you couldn't do that you actually did well. Whereas these kids are never going to find the fuck out about themselves because the moment they feel uncomfortable, they get to cite their feelings as a reason why they don't want to do it. And then mm-hmm. it's okay. Right. And so they never have to push themselves. They never have to get out of their comfort zone. And it also means they get to be horseshit their entire lives. Right. She, actually, she actually kind of agreed with me on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, because from his perspective, honestly, his perspective to me is no perspective. Because where do you, you what do you say? You grew up in Inglewood, New Jersey. You know that neighborhood, Rob. No, he said, Mon, he, he said Montclair. I think Montclair. Montclair. Yeah, isn't that like a really rich neighborhood? That's 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 very nice suburbs, Montclair, New Jersey. You know what are we talking about? Are we talking about race? Or are we talking about money when we're talking about this kid? You know, well, honestly, well, a lot, a lot of a lot of his, he probably had a lot of the a lot of the the rough edges polished off by money. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't feeling it the same way that some other folks were. Yeah, you know, right. When you when you got money and opportunity, if you get to go to all the public, the private schools and you're doing all that shit, so you might think, you might actually believe that it's not happening because it wasn't happening for you. Or there, right. there, the microaggressions were so small that you didn't even notice them. Or you just ignored them. Or you ignored them, yeah. You just ignored them and you just like, like Herman Keene and Larry Elder and Dr. Yeah, ben Carson. But- yeah, but see, all the Is brothers, it, especially Ben Carson, like Ben, Ben's poor ass could not have ignored them. Like Ben yeah. came up in the middle. Like Ben may have been denying it because he was trying to, you know, he was trying to erase his pain. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to lock all that behind that door there and it never happened. Mm-hmm. But there's no way Ben Carson could have ignored it because that's a project, brother. Right. Yeah. Still intelligent. But now he's off eating as car goes. Somewhere. Yeah. So I'm um, I mean, right. he, he actually he's isn't dead. I'm sorry. Maybe he's, he's not dead. You know what, John? No, it's funny you bring y'all bring up Ben Carson because it's, it's, it's pertaining to race. I want you to think about something. This man worked, was one of the top neurosurgeons in the country, went to John Hopkins, 
uh, in Baltimore and ran for president. And the president that gave him a job in the cabinet gave him the Secretary of Urban Housing and Development. Mm. Now, this is quote unquote a neuroscientist, the top neurosurgeon in the country. And they put him in charge of the projects. Exactly. So, what does that tell you about race and politics in our country? That tells me that. that, that, Excuse me. They didn't give a fuck about the projects. No, it tells me that. (laughs) No, it tells me that if you're a neurosurgeon, no matter how much money you can make as a neurosurgeon, there's much more money to be made reverse race hustling. That's what it tells me. Right. No, I don't think that's what that was. So I'm gonna tell you this. My cousin, my cousin is a, a anesthesiologist. She did an internship at Johns Hopkins, and she went. She left Detroit. She was working at Henry Ford Hospital here. She left here to go to Baltimore to work at Johns Hopkins only because Ben Carson was a hero of hers in terms of being a doctor. And when she got there, she like she was like, "You probably shouldn't meet your heroes because this <laughs> motherfucker is batshit crazy." Wow. <laughs> but but this this is what I'll say though. In order to be that good at something, mm-hmm. right? You have to give up something else. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you know, it like if you if you that good at, at basketball or football or whatever, that's why you that's why they got these same like seven girls that they just pass around because they don't have no game. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you, you got to give up something in order to be that proficient at whatever it is you do. And so he gave up a connection to reality. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. I don't know if he gave up a connection to reality. I, um, last, last time I heard that brother speak in public, I was like, "What kind of crazy fiction bullshit is this?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, sound like, sound like. Dianetics, Elron Hubbard. Where's the spaceship? That was that was he'd he be on that colorblind shit. He'd be on that colorblind shit. He don't see color, and that's what happens when you don't see color. Eventually, everything becomes opaque, and you can't discern. discern you know, or between or you get things. that you get that um you get that that memory thing going. You know, some of them obviously you get so smart that your memory goes because like. Right. The Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see everything, all the racism there is in the world, and somehow this brother thinks he did it all on his own. Mm. <laughs> government programs didn't help him, not a fucking lick. It was all his own intellect, and the money from this dude uh, that owns him, paying for his nephew's college and buying his mom's house and whatever. But everything else he did on his own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. What we know is that the movies are the precursor to the tech that's coming out. So if you remember Men in Black, that the the light, the neuro, they, yeah, yeah, the neuralizer. Hey, once you know, once you get to a certain level and you black, maybe they, bah, they hit you up. Yeah, they hit you, up up. <laughs> you don't remember shit. <laughs> the, that that CRS can't remember shit. Mm. Well, Clarence Thomas struggled with it because when he was in high school, the black girls in South Carolina didn't like him. Mm. And he and he's been paying them back ever since. <laughs> well, 
I guess the girls in South Carolina, smart, a lot smarter than I give them credit for, goddammit. I should have been nicer to them last weekend while I was down there playing golf. I don't know, man. Any guy who's a smooth wow. who's smooth enough to leave a pubic hair on a coke. I don't know if really good. I don't see how any woman's gonna deny that. How is she gonna really like say no to that? I mean, yeah. come on, that's an invitation for the ages. Yeah, there's that's like you know, right there. yeah, there's Niagara Falls. There's uh, those champagne cups that they used to have up in the Poconos, and there's pubic hair on your Pepsi. Like that's that's <laughs> those like, are the three. That like the next step is taking them to the movie theater and sticking your junk through the bottom of the popcorn box. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Just, just wonderful. But you know, these are, but you see, I'm glad that you guys are bought into the show because everything that we've covered is something that we can, that everyone can, it's colorblind to topics and people that we know. And we're going to get to know this guy, this young 27 year old ex student, whatever. We're going to get to know him over the next two, three, four decades and watch him go from lowly graduate student to owner of a mansion, perhaps a senator or a governor, and definitely pretty much close to 100 million, at least, is in his future. You've got people propping him up. He's on CNN, he's on Bill Maher. And really, when you look at it, Herman Cain and Larry Elder both died during COVID. And Ben Carson, as you said, is a little bit loopy and loony. Nobody really understands him. I guess maybe if we throw him back to Chicago, we could be a mumble rapper. But <laughs> right, anything's possible. Um, I'm sure if he put his mind to it, he's a brilliant man. He could figure out neurosurgery. I guess you could probably figure out mumble rap as well. But um, I don't know. It's a, it's crazy. So I want to keep with the theme of a colorblind show today. Are you guys enjoying the conversation so far? Uh, Man, I'm not, I'm not sure where this is going to go. <laughs> I want to say it's thought provoking, but I don't know exactly. I don't know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in you, X. Let's go. I'm, I'm oh my gosh. Ride, baby. You know what? This is the type of fear I love to instill in my guests <laughs> when they're on my panel. This is wonderful. This is fantastic. We're going to talk about the music business now. And we're going to go colorblind now. Don't colorblind. Because there's nothing more colorblind in the world than music. Mm. You can like hip-hop. Listen, since they first opened up hip-hop classes in the suburbs for young white girls. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. That was a step towards colorblindness. And hanging out after basketball games, but that's something different. But ever since that started, we it wasn't we, for hanging out after basketball games. You might be living alone right now. So <laughs> <laughs> she was a cheerleader. You know, you know what, Rob? You know what, Rob? When you get him, when you get him. You got to watch this guy because when he gets him, he gets him. The man does not miss Mr. Robert Brooks. You may not be able to hear it, but you're getting another round of applause. That was 
That was fantastic. That's fine. Killing me. Andrew's just sitting there like, I don't get this shit. He's like, I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Why did I decide to sit in? Don't worry, Andrew. If you don't want to say anything, Rob won't make you. Right, Rob? <laughs> anyway. Now, I won't make you. Like, I'm the host. <laughs> Listen. So, um, hey, if things go wrong, I got to always have an escape plan, bro. Hey, so. hey, hey, bro, like, so you was about to hate on, you know, the white women, but if it was not for the white people buying rap albums, rappers would all be broke still. So we got we to salute the suburbs getting on board with rap. That that's that's the fact. All we did was pass tapes back and forth. We'd still be passing Mr. Magic's rap attack, yeah. back, rap attack back and forth. But you know or, what? Or, or Red Alert, one of the two. Oh, Red, you yeah. Know what? On this show, they're not white girls buying records. They're just colorblind regular people they're just they're Americans. just, people. Just, they're Americans. just americans right so is that better in that case is it better that like you know it's not we don't take it and we don't break it down and say like this rap music is not being supported by inner city people because they can't really afford to buy it it's really the white kids that would in the other society have been called wiggers everything is free today cultural appropriation because like there is no color on this show so we're just going to throw all the terms out and we're going to make them, they're harmless now, right? So it's really white guys that listen to black music that are buying rap music, right? Would that's you say how, that? That's how, that's how rap became a big thing, yeah. yes. And, you know, right now, white women, or, or no, color, colorless women who are doing stuff on TikTok. Sure. Sure. That's, that's true. That's all what right. I hear. I don't really look at TikTok. No, listen, I'm just setting the tone here because we're going up and everything and we're going to talk about music because um, Beyonce Tracy Chapman crushed it. Oh, no, Beyonce. Beyonce is coming out with the country album. Yes, and, she is. And, um, and the first two tracks were produced by Raphael Sadiq. Oh, <laughs> wow. But Raph can do that, though. Rap can yeah. rap, rap can do anything. Yeah. Rap yeah. can do but that. That's true. She had a country song on her last album on Lemonade. She had a country song. She had but a song well, called I mean, Daddy. She had a song called Daddy Lessons on uh, Lemonade. There was a country song. She's yeah. from Texas. She's from Texas. Like, right. Yeah. They like country yeah. music down there. She's from the South. Yeah. Raphael, Raphael Sadiq, though, is not from the South. He's from Northern California and it never rains he's from, there. He's from, uh, Oakland, true. Sure. Right? He's from Oakland, but guess what? Never he, he got, from the he, got he got funk all the way throughout his body. Though yeah. that brother can actually Raph do anything. Got skills, baby boy. Yeah. You listen to, I'm you riding listen with to his catalog, the shit he's produced. You're like, yeah, God. I'm riding with him. Yeah, hard. So we mad at these? So are we mad at these cats for going after this guy John Schneider, who came out and said Beyonce making a country album is like she's just got to go out in the world and just piss on everybody's lawn. As if she doesn't have enough, she's going out and pissing on country's lawn. One thing I can't be surprised at is a guy who like rose to prominence and fame from driving around from driving around a car with the Confederate flag on the top at the end of right. his lifetime comes out and just basically lets it all out there. But I'm kind of surprised though, because he was actually on Broadway for a long time. He disappeared from like the public. And he was up on Broadway, and he was singing and doing musicals two and three times a day. So what's what's all that all that about? Well, I, you know, it yeah. may just be all BS aside. Beyonce is considered to be an outsized talent. 
<laughs> and it may be a little of like, God damn, you got to take all the cookies. Like you done, you own these two spaces already. Do you really need to come over here and own this too? Like let somebody else eat, God damn it. My beef with Beyonce is more, did you see the cover for the two singles? Mm-mm. Like, no, I didn't. Uh, the outfits are barely outfits. I mean, one of them is like a is like a a metal string bikini. Like, she's beyond that. Like, she shouldn't have to use sex to sell at her level anymore. But like, you know, she why should be able it? to wrap herself in a full fucking cloak if she wants yeah. to, and the music is good enough that she can sell it anyway. You may be right about that, but you know, from a marketing perspective, why leave it to chance? Well. I mean, well, she, it, she's number one on the country chart, so it worked. Yeah, yeah well, you know. And it's well, funny. Can, like can y'all these... correct me? Can y'all correct me if I'm wrong? But didn't country artists start rapping in country songs? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why are they getting mad if an R&B singer jumps in so, their platform? But, but here, so this, this is my problem with this conversation is I, I think people have pronoun trouble. Because when you call it my music or our music, right, that implies ownership, but you don't own it, sir, right? Like, it's it's music for everybody. Anybody that wants to listen to it can listen to the music. So it's not yours. So anybody that wants to make the music can make the music. So... Well, since this is a a colorblind show, I'm not going to say that Black people probably created country music, too. Right. People did that. But, but if you live that. but if you That's live right. in a place, if you live in a place where people were sailing on a boat and just one day looked over and goes, Oh shit, some land. That's our land. Right. Regardless of the right. fact that there might have been people there, then you probably think that you own music too. You probably think everything has to have ownership and everything has to belong to someone instead of just being of uh, the people. It's vibration, it's everybody's. So the so difference go ahead. Don't country music artists cover R and B all the time? They do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They do, and right. vice versa. So yeah, and vice versa. But no, mm-hmm. I mean nobody, nobody saying nothing about that. You know, a so lot of, I mean, just let it ride. A lot of country is R and B, has R and B roots for its, and when they, especially when they try to exploit to expand it, blues. And one of the one of the greatest country albums of all time was done by one Ray Charles, Modern Ray Sounds of Country and Western. Yes, sir. Mm. So, still his, ain't that? I think that's still his best sell, his biggest selling album. Oh yeah. Well, any yeah. album, oh, yeah. any album with "I Can't Stop Loving You" on, it's gonna do all right. Right. Sing the song, children. <laughs> well, the worst part about what he did was like he essentially called her the B word, because if wow. you're saying that you're a dog out there pissing on somebody else's lawn and i don't i think i know what pronouns beyonce uses and one of them is she so you're kind of calling her the b word who's out there going in pissing on everybody's lawn am i would i be wrong about that am i taking it too far well you're probably not taking it too far but like why are we listening to what that jackass has to say well because he's bo duke He's both so? bro. <laughs> Yo, check this I'll, out. Didn't yo. didn't Tyler Perry give him a job on that to have and have not yeah. show yep. on he Oprah, Oprah Winfrey's yep. network? He so he, why he gonna you know he got a check? You know, so why would he be concerned if uh 
why would he find it why would he find it necessary for it to be his job to be the one to come out and say something about beyonce doing a country album because essentially you're right if she gave if oprah gave him a job you've been eating off of these plates you know it's but then again it's just like it's just it really goes to form and everything it's the story of thanksgiving the pilgrims came over and ate the turkey and stayed so right <laughs> It's the same thing, but that's what people did, or do, or do, or yeah, still do. Colorblind, you know, none of these things are done based upon the basis of anyone's race or ethnicity or the groups that they're in. Like there was a whole big kerfluffle, let's use the word, at the early part of the week after she announced that this was coming out, because people started calling country stations, and they didn't even know that the record was out. And so they just sent like the generic response, like, hey, you know, we love Beyonce, but we, you know, we're a country station. We don't play Beyonce's records. Right. And so then people got really pissed off. They're like, these guys didn't even know. I mean, she, she, she announced it in the middle of the Super Bowl that she's releasing a country song. These guys didn't even know that she had a country song out. So they just, they're like, if somebody called and asked us to play the Rolling Stones, we'd give them the same response. We're a country station, mm-hmm. not knowing that. She had made two country songs. So I think that sort of blew up some of the issue too. Like it became mm-hmm. a little bit more of an argument at that point. You know, were, were they being racist? Were they, you know, it's people, it's music. Music is for everybody. Is it racist? If we just eliminate seeing people as being different colors, Beyonce gets her spins, right? I don't know. Does she? Do we find, here's the thing people always find, aligned with which to delineate them from another us from them whether it's a language whether it's in this country they use they've used race a lot but they've also used ethnicity in this country for many years people always find a way to divide themselves so maybe they'd find another way mm. well pe- people are tribal though yeah so to some, to some extent that that makes sense but i mean for, for music, like I mean, you don't own it. I mean, if See, you Grant, buy the if you buy the album, you own it. See, Grant, your musical past is like kind of showing through in this topic because you're taking the point of view of of someone who really understands and has seen talent at its like you know purest form in the beginning and the onset to many different forms, R and B, rap, country, rock. You know, we spent a lot of time in studios, both together right. and separately in different yeah. areas and different places. And we know what the grind is about. We know what that that soul is when you're making that, when you're creating that music. And nobody really cares what, the only people that care what color you are, are the racist when it comes to music. Right, exactly. And that's I mean, really the truth. Go exactly, because if that was the case, then what you would do for love wouldn't be a hit. Yeah. Right, and there's no way yeah. Bobby Caldwell would have made it all these years. Right. Listen, I could I could remember banging Benny in the Jets in the '70s. Right. I mean, but that that was what you had to listen to in the '70s. In the '70s, though, right. like you had radio stations that played everything that there was to play. Mm-hmm. So it it was just music. There were no there was no true separation. I mean, maybe in some places there were, but like we got lucky in New York because we had BLS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have Fra- Frankie's Frankie's thing was if it was a hit, he was gonna play it. Right. So you played Hall of Notes, 
Steely Dan, Elton John. You play some of that salsa crossover stuff. You know, you play in Bob Marley. But there are a lot of other places, like in Philly, that wasn't happening. They weren't crossing over like that. Like, they played Hall & Oates because they were Philly boys, but they wasn't really crossing over like that. There was – DAS was a black music station. It was it was it was in response to all the other stuff that had gone before and it was our safe haven. Yeah. So sometimes people get the the political crossed up with the other thing and now they're down there inextricably tied. So what you're saying is that that station in Philadelphia was born out of a need because there was a dearth of places where black talent could actually go and they could actually play where they could, and go they could and actually be. get heard and where the people would actually get to hear this like music so now i'm going to bring it back to this clown who wrote this book based upon what happens in the 1970s i would better i haven't read the book but i probably bet a thousand dollars that is that there's no possibility that he mentioned anything like that about music in the book and how the reason why it was a causal factor. And that's someone who's like, who basically plays music. Right. This well, is, how, old is, how old is this cat again? He's like 27. And oh. the, the interesting thing is that he plays like a trumpet, a bass trumpet, and he actually plays in the jazz in a jazz place like when um, New York City. That's like one thing that he does. He went to Juilliard first, and then he went to Columbia. So this brother, he's got different experiences. Right. He was able to go from this upper middle class town to this setting where it's a safe space at all points in time to another safe space. And he's discussing his aggressions within these safe spaces and white liberals and black liberal and white people and white i'm sorry this is a colorblind show people who identify with different political identities whether you be republican or de- democrat whatever are eating this cat up but the truth of the matter is it's like the doppelganger syn- syndrome he is not representative of the majority of kids his age and if you're going to actually present that, you have to present the whole picture, not just the sides of the picture that you fucking like. Yo, this cat right. plays with a fucking with the the Mingus band. Yeah, like but, at the Jazz. Like that's like those those cats play music. Yeah, man. yeah he yeah, gotta have yeah. skills. He gotta have skills. But here's the thing, though. So the thing about writing the book, though, is that at twenty at twenty seven years old. You ha- you haven't you didn't live through any of that. So what you did was go back to the to what was written down or what people told you, right? We already know that what was written down was probably changed, right? Right. right? We also know that eyewitness testimony is probably the least the, is probably the least accurate form of 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 what you know what I mean. Like people tell you what they think they what they kind of remember they saw. But they didn't they didn't necessarily see that so whatever he wrote is just him going back and he's just regurgitating some facts he don't have no he don't have no no like real meat to it and and like you say i i, I haven't read the book either but at 27 years old my man you don't have the experience to be able to you probably don't have the experience to be able to write that book now if he did if he wrote to write that book and make it you know, plausible. Mm. If he did, I would be shocked. Mm. But I'm sure it sounds somewhat 
plausible as far as propaganda goes. Well, let me say this. He's not even old enough to remember when MTV didn't show black videos and BET had to come out and play black videos because MTV was not playing black videos. And not until David Bowie called them out in a live interview is when they started to play Prince and Michael Jackson. But that was Mm -hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And so and he is- doesn't remember that. He doesn't remember any of those type. He doesn't remember like when I was growing up in New York, if I was like, say, 13, 14 years old, if I was seen walking down the street with a white girl, everybody looked. Oh, white absolutely. people would drive by in the car. They would look. He's never experienced that. He doesn't even mm-hmm. know what that, he doesn't know what that is. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have he, he doesn't have the experience to write a book and say that DEI or the, the, the made up one, what's the other one made up the critical race theory, critical yeah, race, theory, race theory, which is only, which is only taught in law school as an elective, but they were running around saying it was taught in elementary school, which it is not, but none of that. He, he doesn't have those experiences to even just talk about those things. Cause he grew up in an era where he didn't have to experience any of that. The bottom line is that he's standing on the shoulders of brothers like us, even, who aren't that far ahead of him, but are far enough for a generation ahead of him at this point in time. Well, that's 20 some odd years of mm-hmm. experiences that we actually went through. Not saying that it was like, oh, right. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> but, you know, there were, what, like you said, Andrew, there were obstacles, there were different things that you, that there were places you couldn't go to. Motherfuckers got beat in Bensonhurst in 1987. Can you you talk about that? Can you really explain that from someone who doesn't live in the area, who didn't live in the area, doesn't doesn't feel the vibe from what's going on at that point in time, and you're taking your perspective from a fucking textbook or based upon your interactions with other people? This is the problem with these black conservatives. It's because they always talk about them, but it's not just about them. Now, we all on this panel, I don't know about you, Andrew, but we all went to the same high school in the same area in the same neighborhood. And one thing that was interesting is that he went to a neighborhood that was probably less than us. He was probably, um, he might have been 5% of black people in this area. Would you say that, Rob, based upon that? I mean, Montclair is is a decent neighborhood, but... it lists what is this list is um, a coeducational private school located in Livingston, Essex County, New Jersey. He went to Newark Academy. Okay, that's near Good East on. Orange, isn't Montclair near East Orange? Yeah, uh, uh, Orange and East Orange. Yeah, it's the, it's the adjacent suburb, I believe. Right. But yeah, but he went to he went to Newark Academy in Livingston. Livingston for a while was the car theft capital of America. Yes. Okay. Because it's right next oh. door to Newark. New Jersey Drive. So okay. yeah, that was the nineties. Jump, jump over, boom, mm-hmm. boost it, take it back into Newark. Okay. <laughs> you know, and then Ross right. gets the phone call. Yo, man, what's going on in your city? <laughs> 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 I saw him on TV the other day. Ross, he, he, Ross, yeah, he was interviewed. What the heck was I was watching something on PBS and he was interviewed. From ahead of the black near for us. You know That's him right. as That's right. As you know him as Newark's mayor, Ross Baraka. Shut up. Yeah. 
they're always going, doing good things in uh, Newark. I need to get with my guy up in Newark. I haven't spoken to him in a minute and everything. But, you know, H.E. has been, been hitting him. You know, old girl is from H.E., the attorney. Yeah. I was basically telling him, hey, get out of my social business. We might have clapped once. Mm-hmm. We might have clapped twice. It ain't none of your business. Crazy. If we were colorblind, Arb is a is a female. Is there any race thing involved in her being called up for this case whatsoever? Would this have we seen this happen? Let's just say have we seen this happen to any other female attorney? I think they're grasping at straws, you know, to an extent because colorblind. If if, if you got a client that's that's you know going up against get something like this you know as a defense attorney you got to muddy the water as best you can so if i can go after the attorney that's trying the case in the eye of public opinion we all gonna win that could make her that could make her tainted we're all going to see in the future we're all going to see in the future if you can do that right but that's 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 the, the strategy that's being deployed, but with the question they is, want to change, they want to change a venue. Basically, would, they got to get it would, out of Fulton County. Would they have tried that strategy if there was a different complexion on the parties involved on the prosecuting side? Colorblind. And that's the thing we'll never know. In a colorblind society, we know that they, that they would do that to everybody. We'd have seen it hundreds of times already. It wouldn't be a new strategy, mm. but it's the first time any of us are seeing this. And so mm. it makes you wonder, hmm. why are they so comfortable doing that? So wow. I have a question. If it were truly a colorblind society, mm-hmm. what would be the thing that people separated themselves on? Would would it be more economic? Would it be age? Would it be in a size? That's what you want it to be. <laughs> right. Uh, you and your midget band roaming the, <laughs> roaming the countryside. <laughs> Um, I had to throw it, it out there. It, it would probably be. It would probably be. It would probably be congregation. It would probably yeah. be where you worship on Sunday, because it's okay. Because we know say, it would be. Something. James Baldwin used to say that the most segregated hour in America is noon on Sunday. Noon on Sunday. Uh huh. Yeah. So that would probably be the. That would probably be what they used. Yeah, because there's there's always going to be something, right? Because yeah. it's, you know, I mean. Irish versus uh, German or whatever, whatever the thing is. Oh, yeah. There's always going to be something. Everybody versus the Italians. Everybody versus the Irish. Right. You know, those wars happen. They're, they're real. But we don't want the, the Irish. Irish. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we'll take the diggers of the Jews. This is right. the Irish. Famous line from Blazing Saddles, another inappropriate movie of the 1980s. That 70s. that young man, 70s, I'm sorry, that that young man has never known anything about that would never get me today. <laughs> that Gmail address. I don't That's even me. think you could watch Blazing Saddles in 24. Why? I still think it's funny to this day. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's hilarious. hilarious. But I'm like, I'm not. Are people too triggered by it now? Like, right. Yeah. That's, that's it's allowed to be triggered by everything. 
The but only thing about triggering it, in that movie is too many snits and groovings. Fifteen. <laughs> think about it though. In the seventies, do you think the sitcoms in the seventies could be played today? No. Like say, you, say you uh, the Jeffersons. Archie Bunker, Sanford and Son. No, you couldn't have Archie Bunker uh, today. You know, you you really, if you really want to go into it, think about some of the worst sitcoms that might have ran for three or four years that were really reaching for ratings that had cringy moments. You know, um, 25-year-old guys hitting on 14-year-old, 15-year-old girls in the middle of the of the um, dialogue as if it was like normal. That was that was like okay back then. It was like, oh, it just happens. Right. You know, now it would be something crazy. But then also at that time, at 18 years old, you could go buy a case of beer. So, right. well, you know, people, I mean, people were getting married at 14 back then, though. Well, the reason why I mentioned this is because there was something that was on the internet with um, what's that dude, Charleston White? It was making mm-hmm. the rounds because he said if he can get him an 18 year old girl, he would. And everything because she's legal and you know it's of age and, and all that other stuff but let's bring it into this conversation with this guy he's writing about how things have changed but back then 18 years old you know charleston white with the 18 year old girl you would see 18 year old girls doing all types of stuff because they could go out and get drunk and be wild and be crazy and that mm-hmm. was how they blew off steam and that was how they did things there's a lot of things that are a lot that are a lot different as from today to back then. So in a colorblind society, is that still okay? So I I have different views on youth and, you know, age differences. I I think that men and women look for different things. And I, I think that men value I think in in your mind, a younger woman is going to be more pure. She's going to be in your mind. She should probably be a virgin. She should probably be somebody that you can work with. You know what I mean? She shouldn't be. She wouldn't be so opinionated as what you have with somebody that's, you know, my age. So I don't view it. I don't view it the same way. I, I think that you probably should be with somebody younger. Now, 18 may be a stretch, but hey. If that's what floats your boat, go ahead, go ahead, get it. So I'm seeing this other meme online. It's got this 31-year-old woman who's saying, I'm ready to shut it down now. I'm ready to get married. I'm ready for the commitment. And she's like, you know, dressed in one of these, basically these loose outfits that these, that all these girls that have OnlyFans are on. And they were all on this one podcast. And she's saying, I'm ready to shut it down now. She's not saying, but she's like, I've caught my 150, 250 bodies. And now I'm ready to commit. And you know good the whole joke, that. right? The whole joke <laughs> right. of the right, the whole joke right. of the meme is good luck with that. So if you take something like that with what Charleston White said and what you just said, but eighteen, if you don't want one of those that's been running around for like you know thirty years, where does that leave that segment of different women? Well, it's it's the the issue is I, I talked about this on my podcast, and I was just talking about I did an episode on the female and male prime years. And I was just basically saying that, you know, uh, women's prime is basically their 20s and men's prime starts late 20s going into their 30s into the early 40s. 
And the problem is, is that when women are in their prime, they're not in some situations, well, most situations nowadays, it seems like they're not ready to settle down. So after the fact, they'll get to say age 29, 30 and start wanting to settle down and have a family. And they're looking for the guys that are in their similar age group. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that they're leaving their prime Mm -hmm. and the guys are just going into theirs. Right. Those guys ain't checking for them no more. Right. For one, they have, they've been, they, they've been with the, the quote unquote guys that wasn't any good for them. They didn't get what they wanted out of it. And now they're showing up after the fact. Mm-hmm. And those guys are basically saying, we ain't playing that game no more. Too much. So, you, see, you know, it, it may be 20 years ago, they might have gave them a chance. See, let me now, just then, now they're not doing that. Let me just stop you for one second. Like 20 years ago, they might have gave them a chance. Now we'll go back even 30 years or 30, like 30, probably a little bit more, 40 to the 70s, right? Now we're talking about these 18-year-old girls that were able to drink and party and all this other stuff. Women generally in the 70s and 80s, they really, if they had some roots to oats to sell, as you know, our moms used to tell us, when you're young, you go out, you sow your oats. They were selling their oats in between the ages of like 18 and 21. And a lot of them were getting married by the time they were before they were 25 years old. That was like really what the goal was. It was a difference. Now you fast forward. And you say the same things about a, a, a girl settling down at 18 years old. And, you know, Charleston White, he's an exaggeration. He's in his 40s. But let's just say a guy like 40 years old. People find that to be cringy. But what you're saying is there may be something natural about that. Yeah, well, I mean, well, there, there is an element yeah, that's natural ahead. about that. I mean, the guys tend to, you know, you're looking for somebody who, you know, young and healthy and, and soft, uh, you know, a, a certain amount of breedability. Um, and so guys are going to generally look younger, but there's also sort of, you know, for me, the dividing factor is like, I have a 23 year old daughter. Mm-hmm. I know what 23 year olds think like mm-hmm. keeping the fuck away from that. Mm. Like I need to get far away from that kind of mentality as possible. Whoa. Like, what we've done to these kids, you know, in, in trying to let them live their best lives is greatly delay their age of maturity. Them. Right. Yeah, we've greatly delayed yeah. their age of maturity. So they're not they're not the same as the 18-year-olds that we were dealing with. Exactly. So let me stop you right there. So should an 18-year-old be a legal age for an older man, or should it be closer to like 20 years old now with all of the social engineering that we've had? over the past 40 years. I mean, based I upon what you just said, wouldn't I mean, that make more I, sense? I, 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 well, yes, you are correct. It would make more sense, but I'm also not feeling that we need to make another law. Mm. Like we need to start making more right. laws about shit. There's already enough laws about shit. Well, listen, like, you know that- it's very easy to keep your 18 year old daughter away from a 36 year old man. Just parent the fuck out of her. Right. Well, we know for a fact that we know for a fact that the Republican Party would never allow that to go through. You know, they want to push well, it down to 16 because well, the they want more babies at this point. Did, did you hear the thing in Alabama today, the Alabama Supreme Court? No. Yeah. Well, yeah. These motherfuckers jumped the shark today. What? So there was a case in which somebody was transferring frozen embryos 
mm-hmm. and then dropped them in the parking lot. And some of them got destroyed, and some people wanted to consider that murder, whatever. And basically, the Alabama Supreme Court went and stated today that those frozen embryos are, in fact, entitled to all the rights of any living person. They are, in fact, a living person, as much Mm. of a living person as any baby, any adult. Mm. So they're saying basically that they can they can charge you with like charge you murder. so you drop so you drop the eggs you drop you drop the box and and now you're a mass murderer now you're a mass murderer or if you if you're in a dispute with your ex and you decide you want to destroy the embryos you you know you guys put together something and now y'all aren't together anymore and you don't want them to have access to your seed anymore you can't just just can't pick them up and destroy them so even if so even if neither one of the parties gets them, eventually somebody will. That's like a step. That's like one step away from legal cloning, because if the man doesn't want it and the woman doesn't want it, and you can't destroy it legally, so then the state is going to hold them in perpetuity. How long is it going to take for them to say, "Hey, we've got these embryos in here that are sitting here. They're costing us money. We could auction these them off with someone else's DNA." And now you're cloning. The, it's a very slippery slope. Let me ask you a question. I don't. I'm not no scientist or anything. Maybe y'all know. When they do in vitro, don't they? They don't keep all of them, the eggs, do they? I mean, after because they, you know, I guess it depends on how many the woman can hold. When they, in when they do in vitro, one. they keep you know the ones that they don't use in this particular. Like if you donated X number of eggs, they they might implant three. But they keep right. their other ones. But, the you know, the three that they implant, three, two of them go bye-bye, and you hope one of them catches on. But then again, that's also why there's lots of triplets and quadruplets born in, in vitro. From a lot of these women who were 35 and decided that they didn't, they decided they wanted to have children. So this is how society has changed now. It's really like, it's really a rich person's thing. What we're talking about, this is a 1% conversation. So with this 1% conversation and the change in the 1%, of course, we have someone who is like coming from a 1% perspective telling us how to discern race on a basic level. Here's the thing, though. Almost all the conversations in America are 1% conversations. Right. That's the yes. like truth. Yes. Half, yes. half the time you people are engaged in a conversation about something that absolutely does not impact them. Talk about the death tax. Mm-hmm. How few people oh will ever have enough money <laughs> to pay that, but nobody mm-hmm. wants it because it's going to impact. I don't want to impact my future. Motherfucker, you ain't never. You could work. You could live to <laughs> right. be a thousand, and you ain't going to have <laughs> shit to pass on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll talk to people. My mom just moved to South America, and in, in the country she lives in, they have socialized medicine. Mm-hmm. And so, the the knock against socialized medicine is the weight. Mm-hmm. Like if you. You need your knee replaced or whatever. Now you got to get online, and it might be two and a half years before you get your knee replaced. That's okay. right. That's bullshit. You can't. But in America, they don't want socialized medicine. But in America, if you ain't got it, they ain't no weight. You just ain't never getting right. it. You just ain't never getting You don't getting have insurance. You ain't never getting that. <laughs> You're going to be so living the rest worse. of your life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But which is worse? Delta, here in America, people will tell you that socialized medicine is awful and it's disgraceful. But you haven't had insurance in 20 years. You haven't seen a dentist since you were fucking eight years old. 
And you talking mm. about socialized medicine is bad, motherfucker. You need mm. somebody to socialize your teeth right now. Right. Mm. Get your right. gums right. Mm. But what do you think? What do you think Medicare is? And what do you what do you think uh being in the military is? Yeah, That's all socialized medicine there. Yeah. All so poorly, all one poorly, way all poorly run, but and yeah. All poorly run. Yeah. yeah, you can go to the VA. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm listen. I'm, I'm, I'm not, in, I'm not a veteran, but I've actually done work at the VA, and I can tell you, I'll be waiting a minute. You're a vet, right, Andrew? Yeah. Are you a vet? Yeah. Yeah. So you but know, I, I don't, I don't, I have, I don't use the VA uh, mm. hospitals, mm. but I mean, not because they're good, bad, and different. I mean, it's just, it, it's too, it, it's a, it's a travel for me mm-hmm. to get to, you know, a, a, a good sized one. Mm-hmm. To, to handle certain things, but I can, you know, but the issue is that when you're in the military, you're getting socialized medicine. And I heard a lot of people tell you in the military, I don't, I'm, I don't believe in socialized medicine. I says, well, you need to get out the service because that's mm-hmm. what you're getting right now. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't right. believe in, I don't believe in socialism. You know, people might say things to that effect. I said, what do you think social security is? It's a government ran pension right. that you get. And that you pay into it and you get, you know, a, per, a percentage of it once you reach retirement age. But see, people like the services when they receive it, but they don't mm-hmm. like to call things like they would with Obamacare. They says, I don't want Obamacare, but it's saving their lives. We say, OK, well, then let me take it back. No, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. But I don't like Obamacare. It's just it's it's it's, it's that, you know, people been getting something once they get and receive something. You saw an uptick in race issues in 2013, which was when Obama was entering into the second leg of his presidency. 2013 is when we That's started when the races were doubling of, down. Goddamn yeah. it, they ain't never happened again. Yeah, this is right. Exactly. That's when we started hearing this is never going to happen again. We're going to make sure that there's never another black president. While we were watching this guy try to put through plans, and they would say there's no possible way we're ever going to vote for any type of program that this guy actually put through any type of like work together. That was actually the beginning of the end of governing in the United States without using presidential orders because Obama had to like utilize them in order to get anything done because they refused to negotiate. They would negotiate and they pull it back. You know, and but that didn't happen because he was black, because at that point in time, since he was elected, it was a colorblind society that we were living in. And, you know, I'm glad for a for a fact that you guys are such intelligent, such well-spoken, well-studied men that you are, that we could actually do this experiment of a colorblind show so that if anyone is listening to this, if they just imagine the different cadences or when someone else and just imagine that like at the end of that Ma- uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, movie, just now just imagine that they were white. Now just imagine if the right. panel were white. So, you know, this has been Time our colorful show. Time, Time to kill. kill. That's it. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So I do, I do have a question because I need to circle back to the Alabama thing. So if the embryos are mass murder, cannibalism has to be at an all-time high because they all swallow now. 
So, <laughs> well, but see, that's not that's not a fertilized embryo. It's not. It's yeah. only half the. It's only half the equation. And let oh, me tell you something. And let me tell you something. That is something that is definitely colorblind. Thank you for the 36th episode of Board in Trouble. <laughs> See, it wasn't I didn't find that out until I got to college that that was colorblind. Because there was definitely there was definitely yes. a partition, you know. There were there were people who claimed to be, you know, who had some African lineage. They wasn't, you know, they were quitters. Yeah. They were quitters. But what happened? Yeah, what, yeah. what the freak as as society gets older, the freak line moves though. Yes, you know what I'm saying the freak line. The freak line moves as society gets more and more uh, advanced or regress or whatever. Whatever we doing, mm -hmm. it sometimes it seems like we regress and sometimes it seems like we advance. But the freak line just continues to move. So you know, yesterday, yesterday nobody took it in the ass. Today, they wanted Everybody. in the ass first. Everybody, everybody takes it. Like now, now it's a healthy alternative. Yeah. Right. And, and you know what? Right. You know what? <laughs> but, also, when we, we talk about it from a scientific um, perspective, every time you have a sex with a person, you leave a piece of your DNA along with them. So sure. there's a whole bunch of people that have been mixing that have all this black in them. So when they see different races, because of the fact that we're cool with you as long as you have the talent, then that's getting spread apart across the world. So just sleep with more people. Born in trouble, 36. What's her name? Uh, Fitty's ex, Chelsea, Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler. Yes. I'm not really sure why she decided to, to, to give a warning to the world and advise the world that, you know, if you should get involved with my ex, uh, Mr. Jackson, do not take it in the ass. Oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> colorblind baby apparently he went in there to wreck shop you ain't From gonna shit right south, lord of wishes this has been quite a conversation you might have to go outside and get you a sweet tea Mr. intellectually Johnson. intellectually stimulating guys I mean between this and the cows not having sex last episode I don't know if my IQ is going up or down, but I, I, I appreciate the, the love and the invite. Well, wait, listen, we specialize in flatlining here. We have all, we've got all week. Listen, we've got all week to go up and, you know, and do intelligent, smart things. This is our opportunity to actually have a good laugh. And the older have a good I get, laugh I don't know. As just, don't know. just pure Americans. <laughs> just pure Americans, just like colorblind Americans. You know, I'm learning from this 27-year-old kid. Who knows where I can be in another 20 years? Maybe right next to Herman Cain. From Pennsylvania, <laughs> Mr. Brooks with the good looks. What it is, man. What Do not. Is, if you see Fitty, if you see Fitty Scent, find a wall. <laughs> Put your cheeks against the wall and protect yourself. <laughs> Don't do it. Colorblind, Rob. And that's got it nothing has, to do has, with the has fact. nothing to do with this color. Has nothing, nothing to do with this color. Nothing to do with this color. You know, you can find them in the club. So avoid the clubs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you of got course. You're making love. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, from Detroit, Michigan. Home of City Wings, Gators. And fly ladies all across That's the right. world. 
Chocolate City. That's right. Must have been <laughs> ancestor. That's right. The original Chocolate City. Oh, my God, that's the Detroit. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> the good doctor. That was a good bad movie. Man. That was an excellent one bad the, movie. That's one of the greatest bad movies ever. Yes. Bad movie hall of fame. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Detroit. Yes. Dan Aykroyd at his finest. Yes. Hey guys, Dan I hope you Andrew, I hope you had fun. You know, this Maybe. is like a little bit more less serious than the last year. So well, you know. yeah, I mean, I if if we're gonna rate rate the two. Uh, this one was uh, probably less serious, but but the last one was uh, was probably in a close second. I, I mean, think we, <laughs> I think we made a point. I, I think I think I, at least I hope I made a point about color, being colorblind, though, honestly, because like Beyonce, um, who, who are the aggressive people that we mentioned in this show? Beyonce. Um, um basically i don't know i put my notes away already but every every person that was aggressed on the show if they had a setback it wasn't because they were black so stop saying it i'll also be fighting against reparations later on this week on wisdom <laughs> there you go you got stand for the bullshit stand for all of it we're in trouble. Right. I hope y'all understand sarcasm. Thank you for, for joining us this week, and we'll catch y'all next week. Chris Davis is my favorite.